0: Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining the Digital Selling Secrets podcast. In this podcast, we interview Dana Mentilia. She is an expert when it comes to cyber crimes and identity theft. So just like when you're on the streets, you have to protect yourself. You also have to protect yourself when you're online. So she goes into some detail about that. But also, she explains how she's built her brand digitally using platforms such as LinkedIn. And so uh, tune in after this one-minute intro you'll get to hear the interview
1: but the reality is we're human and when we're on social media and we're only seeing the highlight reel when something human pops up something relatable something vulnerable that builds trust
2: then what i have to do is offer them something that has a high enough perceived value to overcome their desire to not get pitched Or spammed, or bothered, or annoyed.
1: I have to go on a gut level first and foremost.
0: What sells me?
2: How do we take some of the repetitive, quote unquote, bureaucratic tasks out of the hands of the rep and automate those to free up time for them to to spend selling? How can we create a place where it's positive, where there's nothing but motivation, education, and inspiration, and how can we do it consistently for you? Thank you, everybody, and thank you once again for joining us on the Digital Selling Podcast. Once again, we have our uh, co-host, Gary Dennis, and myself, Jerry Moneykorot, and today we have a fabulous guest, and that's Dana Mantilia, an expert in security as well as cybersecurity, and she's here to talk a little bit with us about some of the dangers and the new things that have cropped up in this new environment. And before we go any further, uh, Gary, if you would just say a couple of words, please.
0: Yeah, yeah, just uh, thank, thank you everyone that, that's tuning in right now. It's, it's gonna be an awesome uh, interview with Dana. As you can imagine right now in this digital environment we're in, cybersecurity and, and protecting yourself online, it has never been more critical. So we're gonna go into some detail around that. And then also how Dana has, has built uh, relationships digitally, um, so it's going to be a very exciting interview. Uh, Dana, do you mind sharing a little bit about yourself and your your background and how, how you got to where you are today?
1: Sure. Yeah, no problem. So going back in time, I basically have been in the car business forever. We have a Ford dealership and back in around 2014, wanted to open an insurance agency so we could offer insurance to those clients. And then around 2017, wanted to start getting into the identity theft uh, protection world and found there really wasn't anything that was... B2B that I could then sell to C. Everything was direct to consumers, so I got together with a software company in California, and we came up with a product, and then we started offering that to our clients. So after that was launched, then we created a platform for people who have an audience of clients like insurance agents or financial advisors or any business owner that has a pool of clients that they wanted to offer identity theft protection to and we had made a very, very non-technical, so they get a co-branded website, and all they have to do is direct their clients to that, and then they can pick a plan, and some people um, either earn a commission off of that, or some people um, offer it at a discounted price, so that's kind of an added value for doing business with them. Um, so with that, <clears throat> I started doing my videos on LinkedIn, and realized that there needs to be a lot of education still in identity theft, because the industry, the identity theft protection industry, really is still in its infancy. And there's a lot for everybody to learn. So that's that's kind of how I got to where I am right now.
0: Wow. I, that, that's, that's an interesting transition from um, automotive to identity theft. Can you, can you uh, tell us a little bit about that journey? And, and by the way, I have to ask, being in the automotive space, you didn't happen to uh, follow Grant Cardone at all. Did you Or hear, hear of Grant Cardone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. We had a guest on our podcast last week, uh, last Saturday. And... And he, he had Grant Cardone on, and I know Jerry and I are big uh, Grant Cardone fans. Um, so so, every everybody has some connection to him, I guess. But
1: I know it's like Kevin Bacon, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Seven degrees of
1: separation from Grant Cardone. <laughs> so. Yeah.
0: So, so, anyways, back to my question. Yeah, that transition. Tell us a little bit about that that journey.
1: Well, you know, I, when I started thinking about the identity theft, it was actually kind of weird. So my brother was trying to get, I think, a health savings account, and he got denied. So he wanted to know well, why was he getting denied from opening up this health savings account and nobody would give him any answers. Everybody was afraid to even talk to him. So he kept digging and digging and digging. And it turned out that he, he was on the terrorist watch list. So someone had stolen his identity. So he had to work on getting that all cleaned up. So that kind of got me very intrigued. I said, how does this even happen? Right? So then I started researching it and I'm very passionate about learning about identity um, theft protection, not, not identity theft in general. So that's what, that, what kind of got the ball rolling and, um, you know, there are some people out there that realize that they do need identity theft protection, but not, not very many. I think that it's, it's still, we really need to kind of educate, move forward, and maybe down the road, everyone's going to have to realize that they're, they're going to need it, especially now that with all this technology that we're all using every single day and all of our information is out there all over the place, and the data breaches that are happening every day that everybody has become numb to that they don't even think, oh, it's just another data breach. That's a big deal when we have a data breach, so right. that's kind of
2: thing. So, Dana, you know, what really got me intrigued, you post a lot of videos on LinkedIn, and really good ones, one that really Thanks. creeped me out were the dolls, but that's a different story altogether. <laughs> but uh, You talked about uh, talking about creepy. So you talked about Mr. Creepy popping up in Zoom, especially in these classrooms that, mm-hmm. that the kids are having now with the Zoom classes. Can you talk a little bit about Mr. Creepy and uh, showing up on, on our Zoom conference? <laughs>
1: Sure, yeah. So, Mr. Creepy is a character that I have um, created. I think it helps people visualize a little bit more when I talk about, um, you know, cybersecurity and the bad people getting in. The other thing is, is that, you know, I used to just say hackers, 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 but there's there are good hackers out there, too. So, there's a classification of good. Somewhat good, and then really bad hackers. So well, white, like black, right? Yes, white, black, and gray. And the gray. white hackers, they take great offense. And some of them messaged me saying, "Stop calling them hackers. They're cyber criminals." And I thought, well, that's kind of a long term cyber criminals. So that's how I came up with Mr. Creepy. And uh, <laughs> so he's everywhere. He is, you know, um, probably on the sex offender registry. He's lurking in everybody's bank accounts. He's the first one buying the data breach list. You know that kind of thing. So. Um, and actually, I have a LinkedIn Live that I'm doing. I don't know when this is going to air, but I'm doing it next week. And it's, we're going to be introducing Mr. Creepy. So it's going to be quite interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: So that's, that's how Mr. Creepy. So I always love it because when I mention Mr. Creepy, people mention in the comments, oh, Mr. Creepy is such a jerk. I hate Mr. Creepy. <laughs> all these adults are all talking about this Mr. Creepy guy.
2: But so, so how does he show up in, in a Zoom in a Zoom conference
1: room. <laughs> right, the Zoom. So what was happening with Zoom, especially in the very beginning when we all just got sent home and everybody then had to hop on Zoom calls and there were a lot of people that had no idea what they were even doing. But there, what was happening is they were getting the links and they were using multiple Zoom um, meeting rooms over and over and over and over. And then so some people were sharing these meeting rooms in- innocently or some people were getting their hands on what the meeting room numbers were and they were logging in and you know screaming profanities or acting up or, Walking around naked, you know, all kinds of things like that that um, they were doing. So Zoom had to quickly act on that, and uh, you know, they started with an, educating people about using the waiting room so that the host has to let somebody in, and also having passwords to the Zoom the Zoom meeting. So I think we've seen a little bit less of that as long as people utilize, you know, those tools. I'm sure there's plenty of people
0: out there that don't even know that uh, the meeting room exists, but um, right. should. So so <laughs> random question here. Okay, so when I picture these cyber criminals, if you will, I picture one end of the spectrum where you just have some random person that's just kind of goofing around on the computer and messing with people, right? And then you have the other end of the spectrum where you have very sophisticated people that are, I mean, maybe even hired by corporations. I don't know, know, maybe I'm being a conspiracy theorist, but I know before all this COVID stuff, Zoom was getting a lot of free marketing. Everybody was talking about how great yeah. Zoom is. Um, and then all this out of the blue, I and Jerry and I, we've used Zoom for a couple of years now. We've never, never seen anything like this happen or heard of anything like this happening. All of a the sudden, there's all these Zoom bombings going on, right? Where people are... So where on the spectrum is it? Do you think there may be some kind of um, um, orchestrated um type of scenario to cause problems for zoom or is it some random person just trying to create problems i mean w- w- what's what's happening what's the environment really
1: i think it's i think it's a variety of them i know some of them were kids that they gave some of their friends the the, the access to log in and then they would they would be on the, the meeting and they would start screaming at their mother or something like that and but they're also you know they say that you know china not to pinpoint on china but that they've been very involved in, in, in checking out some of these Zoom meetings that are going on. And, uh, you know, Zoom nowadays is like, we, we call Zoom like like a, like a Kleenex, right? Like a tissue. Right. It's, it's the same thing. It doesn't even matter if, if it's Zoom. So I think there's a lot of them, but um, nation states getting involved in hacking or whatever, <clears throat> that's, a, that's a big deal. So it could be the 14-year-old kid that lives down the street, or it could be, you know, a nation state that's, you know, trying to, zero in and figure out what we're doing. I mean, I talk about TikTok all the time. I mean, TikTok, every single kid is on this thing, right? And you have to get permission to your photos, to your listening device, to everything in your phone. And who owns TikTok, right? China. Wow. So they know everything. They've got facial profiling on every kid out there. They know every single who's connected with who. And, you know, it's genius from their point of view of keeping track of, of people. But uh, they, they basically, can t- anybody who has a TikTok account on their phone, They can they know where you are. And what you're doing and what you're talking about so scary. scary yeah I mean it definitely,
0: definitely makes you think and I don't know just to continue this conversation a little bit um, so if it's China obviously China probably wants to be I'm just speculating I have you know I, I used to teach some kids in China that's about all, my own connection to China but that's impressive um, it was all online though I was in the U.S. I was probably being monitored I don't know but, <laughs> I'm sure you were. Yes, I'm sure you were. <laughs> yeah, it was within their platform. They probably downloaded all, you know, everything off my computer and you know, ha- ha- have all my passwords. <laughs> hey, they're probably monitoring us right now. But <laughs> anyways, if, if it's another con- a country, you would think they, they want to be stealth-like. But the fact that everybody was kind of doing the same thing, right? Everybody was doing vulgar comments based on the articles I read. So it's just kind of weird, like that shock and awe factor was a big uh, um, component Of these Zoom bombings, and I don't know, I was thinking, man, because I've seen some videos of Zoom when they first got started, when they first launched and their growth, they're not a, I mean, maybe they are now, but they weren't a massive company.